Hey guys, you're listening to The Life and Times of Corey Wagner. This episode is going to be with a great friend of mine. His name is Brandon LeBrock. I met Brandon when I was in high school, actually, and I was playing volleyball. He was a rival of mine. He is playing on a team in Los Angeles, and there is a tournament every year for high school, or there was, at least when I was playing. It was called Best of the West. And so the best high school volleyball teams would come down. They would actually come down. I think it was in Poway and we would all play against each other. And that's when I first met Brandon and um, Brandon's a freaking stud. He's one of my best friends. He is extremely competitive, much like myself. He's very passionate about everything he does. And that's why we get along so well. He also has a huge passion for music entrepreneurship. And in this podcast episode, I was actually testing out a feature on Anchor because he lives in Northridge up in Los Angeles. So I was testing out the feature where I invite him to the podcast on Anchor. And then it's almost like a Skype call, but it's through the app. So you can find any one of your friends and you can record with them like you were on a on a phone call. And essentially, all it does is it records the audio. Um, so you'll hear that. And I will apologize. There's a couple times or a little segment in the in the show where I think his reception in his house breaks out, and so it kind of sounds shitty for a little bit. But hang in there. This was the first time I was testing it out. Um, I think I'll probably optimize. I'll, I'll probably make sure that for the next time, the guest is in a good spot with good reception. Um, so yeah, listen in. His name is Brandon LeBrock. He is currently living up in LA right now. You know, here we talk about music passion that we share. Where we would, he taught me basically everything I know about how to how to mix music and DJ. We used to DJ the college parties out there in Northridge. Uh, Brandon's a great producer of music. He is very skilled with that. And he is very passionate about entrepreneurship. He started his own, he started a lot of different projects, actually. But the one he's working on now is called Rappers. And it's a really cool product. And I'm hoping to see it out in a bunch of stores going forward. I wish him the best of luck. So hang in tight, listen in to the podcast with me and Brandon LeBrock, and enjoy. Peace. Brandon? Corby? Is that you, my man? Yes, this is me. Hey, man. Welcome to the life and times of Corey Wagner. It's my Thank podcast. I, I, made the, <laughs> I made this podcast. That's awesome. Dude. Thanks for uh, you know taking your valuable time away from saving the planet to talk to me. Of course, man. I always got time for you, bro. Oh, and that's why I love you, <laughs> <laughs> dude. It's, all right, man. So uh, where where are you at right now? Where are we talking? I'm at. I'm at home. I finished watching some playoff basketball. I'm a little bummed that the Cavs won and got out of the first round, but you know. LeBron just that good. You're not you're not much of a LeBron fan like everyone else is? No, not really. I mean, I'll admit that he's insanely good, but he flops too much for me. When you're that big and you if someone taps you and you fly, just I don't know. I I'm pretty sure that he is now regarded as the best in the world. What do you well, what do you what do you what do you have to say about that? I think yeah, right now he is out of like this league the way this league is but i don't know if he's the best ever i know some people say he might be the best ever but i just feel like the game has changed a little bit and the way the the game is played in the past like i don't know his instagram handle is king james so he, he he's referring to himself as the king i think he is right now i'll give yeah. it to him He's he's the most dominant player right now, but I don't know. Just I remember back in the day watching basketball, people just it used to be a lot rougher, and the refs wouldn't call as much stuff. You know, I don't know if he'd be as dominant if you had like Shaq at the center 
still like playing and like some of those other really big guys. Just the refs call too much these days. Guess how many followers LeBron has on Instagram? Third, 30 million. Oh, shit. Pretty close. 36.9 million. Ooh, damn. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah. I don't really care much about basketball, but I do enjoy watching LeBron just slay over everybody. Just destroys people. Like, it, it, to, to me, it looks like when LeBron's charging to the hoop, pretty much everyone just gets out of his way because they don't want to be. They they don't want to be posterized. They don't want to get on. They don't want to get got like like some of the others do. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't blame them. I mean, if I were them, I'd scoot out of the way too. But then again, there there's my point. Like, if everyone's afraid of him, he's that big of a guy. He shouldn't be flopping. And I know he <laughs> does it to draw the foul, but sometimes he's just a little too. He over exaggerates a little too much. Yeah. Well, dude, this is cool, man. Have you uh, do you listen to any podcasts? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, one of my favorites to listen to, and it sucks because it's only out every Monday, is NPR's How I Built This. And I think the guy actually went to Northridge. Really? Yeah, yeah. He basically just interviews entrepreneurs every Monday. He has a new episode, and they basically just talk for like 45 minutes on basically how they built their, their company or how they – What's yeah. his name? Guy Raz is his name? Yeah, Guy so. Raz dives into the stories behind some of the world's best-known companies. How I Built This weaves a narrative journey about innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists. The movements they've built. Oh. Wow. Are you just <laughs> look it up? Maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm the <laughs> yeah, Google king. Did. That was perfect. That's exactly what he says at the opening of every <laughs> single episode. So it looks like he brought on uh, Damon John not too long ago. That's pretty cool. Yeah, fellow shark. I listened to that one. That was very interesting. Cool. Yeah, I was actually just about ready to watch an episode of Shark Tank before you called me. You like Shark Tank? I do. I mean, it's entertainment, but it's very inspiring. Just wanted to see what new products are out there as well. Yeah, man. Well, I think we'll definitely talk a little bit more about your entrepreneurial spirit, but let's... uh, Whoever's listening, there might not be anybody, but maybe we should give some context between how we know each other. Yes, let's do it. You want to take that away? No, nah, dude, I want to ask you, when, when did you first f- learn about me? When did we, when did we like, I'm, I'm trying to think, well, when did we first get, come in contact? Um, well, we played against each other in club volleyball, so I knew who you were. Um, and then I think we played against each other at the best of the West tournament in high school. And that's when I learned that you were recruited by CSUN and that I was as well. I think that was maybe one of the first times we talked, um, but we didn't really get to like meet, like officially meet until I think I moved into the dorms at CSUN. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I remember too. I just always remember seeing like, you know, this not so tall outside hitter on, this this other volleyball team who was always like up there with us but i just remember like holy shit this guy hits the ball so fucking hard but he's not tall like how does he do this and i I was always just pretty uh i'm tall just not as tall as you well you know in the volleyball world i'm not even considered tall i'm just average so true okay so how tall are you i'm six one so you're six foot. Okay. So <laughs> six one. <laughs> but um, so like be- before volleyball, you played a bunch of other sports too, right? Yes. I played uh, growing up. I always played soccer. That was like my main thing I did. Um, I played for a club team called Samba out in the Valley. I think they're called real SoCal now. So I did that. And then I had a bad experience with the coach and it just kind of made me hate the sport. So I played, I switched over to basketball, played travel basketball, and then, um, you know, in middle school is kind of when I first played volleyball, um, and I kind of fell in love with it, and then my first year in the high school, I played club that summer, and just thought it was awesome, and yeah, the rest is history. How'd you find out about the sport of volleyball? Um, I think my friend, uh, Dimitri, at the time in middle school was playing for SMBC. 
and he was telling me about it. So I just kind of, I think my first club season was after the high school volleyball season. So I played JV volleyball my freshman year. And then I went and tried out for SMBC, um, a club team out in uh, the Valley um, mm-hmm. and tried out with my buddy Dimitri. And then pretty much I made the team and that's how I kind of started. And just, I love the sport. It's the best sport ever. I'm so happy I chose to play that and pursue that. Yeah. How's that? How's that paying off for you now? <laughs> it's <not. laughs> it's funny, mean, man. It's... You go... Well, actually, you go ahead, you know, I mean, getting a scholarship and playing at the uh, at D1 level, you know, it's it's awesome. It was a great experience. But as far as, like, preparing you, I mean, I guess, you know, since we had such a, a tough schedule and, you know, not only do we have school and then volleyball practice and all the other stuff that comes with being a D1 athlete, it prepared me to kind of handle, you know, stress a little better in, like, certain situations. But, you know, I didn't go and play pro. I had the opportunity to, but there's just not enough money in it. And like you said, I'm not that tall for the sport, so I kind of just, <laughs> dude, I you basically were basically just uh... you, you held your own, man. It didn't matter. You that 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 was the special thing about you was you defied gravity somehow, and you were so good at other parts of the sport that didn't require height, and that's what kept you on the starting team. Um, but let's let's give some more background. So where where were you born, man? What's your ethnicity? What's your favorite color? Where are you living at? So I w- yeah, so I was born at I think it's Saint Oh my I think it's Saint Joseph's in Burbank. And I kind of basically lived in between Burbank and Northridge my whole entire life. Um so I'm pretty much a Valley boy, born and raised. Um, you know, I've traveled a lot but I've never lived out of the valley ever. oh man um because i went to school right down the street from where i grew up um so there's that as far as ethnicity is i'm half serbian and the other half i'm just like a mixture of like a bunch of different stuff just like european british all that stuff dude Let's can we just talk about the Serbian alcohol for a second that you have shown us all in college? What is it called? Oh, it's called Rakia. How do you or how do you the explain this? Pronunciation is is Shlivo. <laughs> it's at, yeah, that's basically, a lot easier. <laughs> basically, my family in Serbia. It's almost like it's pretty much moonshine, but my family back in Serbia, they basically have a plum farm. And it's plum brandy, so what they do is they pick the plums off the trees and they basically just create their own alcohol. And every time they come out and visit, they bring like eight liters with them. <laughs> so every <laughs> we might get some other liters coming back to us in like two months because my aunt's coming back out here to see us. Dude. Yeah, it's pretty much 70% alcohol. It burns the throat. It burns the soul. It It is so strong. Like, I... I think the first time I ever tried it was when you were turning, was it your 18th birthday when we went to the strip club for your birthday? Oh my God. Dude, yes. do you remember that <laughs> night? Oh my. It was that and the Cuban cigars. Yeah. For some reason, we thought it would be a great idea to load up on some rakia and these huge Cuban cigars and no, none of us knew what we were actually doing. We're like, Oh yeah, this is the life. Like, look at us. Next thing, (laughs) next thing I know there are strippers bouncing on your face in the middle of the strip club. (laughs) And there's like all of us. I mean, how many guys, how many, like it was like eight, probably eight of us. Yeah. 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 That was such a fun night, man. Oh, dude. So basically, you know, house and then, you know, we smoked the Cubans. Those Cuban cigars made really lightheaded and made me feel way more messed up than it was. <laughs> and then we went in my cousin's car who had like a huge sound system. So the whole entire way to the strip club, I was just, I was so messed up. And I literally was like praying to God not to let me like pass out <laughs> for my birthday because I really wanted to experience a strip club and like have fun. <laughs> 
Um, so the whole entire car ride there, I was just like, pretty much like in my own head, like saying like, please God, don't let me pass out. I don't want to miss my birthday. And then when we pulled up to the strip club, um, I got out of the car and I felt fine. But do you remember when that the stripper like queefed a dollar bill off her <laughs> vagina? I don't think I could ever forget such a sight. It didn't matter how drunk I was. I, that's something I'll never forget. And I'll, I'll, there's a couple other things I won't I won't ever forget. And if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry you had to hear this. But this is the beautiful part about the podcast is there's no rules, and I'll talk about whatever the fuck I want to talk about. So the <laughs> things I'll never forget are Kyle in the front row and he was uh he was scolded for touching as you are <laughs> that is rule number fucking one is <laughs> you do not touch the talent and uh the stripper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh that is something Kyle definitely didn't know, and <laughs> pretty sure she batted away his hand. Um, and another <laughs> another thing I'll never forget is when uh, <clears throat> the the MC of the of the strip club. They always have their 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 voices that are so funny. He's like, and uh, if you are currently getting a strip, um, what is it, a fucking lap dance? Please switch with wherever <laughs> whoever you're getting a lap dance from, and give them a lap dance. So it was like in the, oh, yeah. in the middle of everything, they had this switch, and so I just remember looking at Ryan, who yep. w- um, I'll have him on the podcast eventually. But Ryan is one of our friends, and we w- we played volleyball together at Northridge. He was with us, and I'll never forget. Ryan was just in he was in another world. He all of a sudden he turned into the stripper and started giving her like <laughs> the most insane lap dance. And I was like, this is, this is fucking awesome. What a time. Oh my God. What a time. So do back, back to your, and that was our freshman year. Yeah. <laughs> that was just to start everything. Right. Jeez, man. We've had yeah. some crazy times. Um, I know something I'll always remember is like, you're, your mom, dude, your mom is easily one of the coolest moms ever. Like talk a little bit more about her background and, um, you know, why, why is she so damn nice? What, what is it about your mom that, why is she so awesome? Uh, you probably don't think that. I, I think that's just kind of how she's been her whole entire life. You know, she has a big heart. She's, obsessed with animals (laughs) and you know she hates confrontation so i just think like you know my grandparents are great too i have a great grandpa grandma they're both like the sweetest people ever everyone like adores both of them um you know we have a really good family as well so i mean i think just kind of the way she was raised and her experiences through life she was very sheltered she hasn't really gone through anything like crazy so i mean i don't know she's just always been awesome you know, we had our ups and downs when, when I was growing up, but that just, you know, typical kid stuff. But, you know, she's always there for me and just, you know, she's great. Yeah, dude. I mean, she helped me all the time. Whenever I need, like, basically, if I needed another mom figure while I was in college, I could always rely on your mom. And that was always cool because, you know, I, I'm pretty much good. I was like, useless for many things because I didn't know what the hell I was doing at times and I'm like god damn it I'll just call Brandon's mom Dara and she was whether it was helping me with figuring out how to wash my goddamn clothes or when I had (laughs) when I had honey my cat I was like I don't know what I'm doing with this cat and she was always there to help and dude for that I will always love your mom and it, you know, it, it makes me think of my mom, how in high school we didn't get along that well and we didn't have the best relationship, you know, but as I think what, when I went off to college to Northridge, me and my mom's relationship only got stronger and now it's better. It gets better every time. And I think you just, that's just part of growing up. You become closer with your family and you, you don't get angry over the stupid shit that you used to get angry about yeah exactly yeah dude well talk about 
you know, something, something about you, Brandon, that I've always noticed is it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're always like passionate about it and you're super, super competitive. So like you, I've noticed you like to do a lot of different things, but whatever it is that you're doing, you're all in. So like, why, why are you so competitive and where do you get all your passion from? Brandy's did I lose you bud um I, yeah did it cut out yeah I know you're good we're on we're good okay cool um basically I don't know I've kind of always been like that growing up um I don't know what it is I just I mean I'm, I don't like to lose I've always liked to you know the best at you know what I've done and um you know you know, thing, I, I hate to say it, this is kind of like a blessing and a curse. Like things have come easy to me, which I think is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, not to say that I still haven't worked hard. Like I worked my butt off in volleyball and like, you know, I haven't really accomplished much yet just because I'm like, we're both at the beginning stages of our careers and we're just, you know, growing and learning so much. But in my past, like experiences with volleyball and stuff, it just, if I love something, I'm really into it. Like I'm 100% committed. And, uh, I don't like to look bad, embarrass myself, or, you know, I don't want to be one of the people doing something that kind of looks like they don't know what they're doing or just is kind of like an average person or player. So, um, I don't know, I kind of credit that to my dad as well. I mean, you know, he, um, you know, he's always excelled in stuff that he's done throughout his whole life. Um, you know, he played sports growing up and all that. So I kind of just, I wanted to be better than that. I wanted to be better than him and kind of, you know, go a little further and than what he's done. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how to really explain why I'm so competitive. It's just kind of like who I am mm-hmm. as a person. And yeah. So, yeah. So after volleyball, what, like, how did you know the hardest thing for me in college was being real with myself when I finally was able to look myself in the mirror and be like, you know what? Volleyball, just, I don't have the same passion as I used to. Playing in college is not what I thought it would be. You know, I I just didn't love the game. And I ended up, you know, long story short, I decided to call it quits and I stopped playing and I moved on to my passions elsewhere, which I eventually found in marketing and all that. But um, how did you decide that you were going to be done with volleyball? And how, what were the steps that you started to take when you had to find a new passion or a new path? Yeah, so, um, you know, I basically didn't play all four years volleyball I quit um you know going into my senior year in the beginning of the year just because um we were in a situation to where you know we're having a lot of our seniors and stuff we're graduating my our freshman year coming in you remember it you know we both started as freshmen and it was like four or five freshmen out on the court with one senior and it was like a rebuilding year pretty much so we lost like every single game that year or almost every single game and that was just like an awful experience because you know I hate to lose and I know you do you did too yeah. so it's just kind of like it was really tough so kind of stuck it out you know the next two years and you know our junior year we you know we were pretty good you know we were fourth in the nation at one point doing really well and as the season progressed you know things kind of started to fall apart towards the end and just you know we didn't end up making playoffs that year but I kind of evaluated it um you know, going into senior year is going to be another rebuilding year. Um, and, you know, I knew myself that I wasn't going to go overseas and play professionally. So I just kind of had to look myself in the mirror and just really think, like, is playing one more year, you know, is it going to do anything for me or should I just really buckle down and focus on my academics and just starting to figure out, like, what I wanted to do with my life? So I basically decided to quit, which was really hard. Yeah. Because my whole identity is, like, a person was, like, you know, I was an athlete my whole entire life. And for that to completely stop was just really, it, it affected me a lot. I was having like, ever since I graduated, um, you know, so I still have a little anxiety now, but 
for like the first two or three years, I was having like major panic attacks that were coming out of nowhere. And I didn't know what they were coming from. I thought they were like, I was having like health issues, but I guess it was just, I was having really bad anxiety. I think it's because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of lost my identity as a person and just, you know, I spent those two, the first two years coming out of college, just really trying to figure out, you know, who I was and what I wanted to do. And it's a really tough transition. I don't know if people know this a lot, but I think that a lot of like student athletes go through that. I don't know if you went through it, but I know a lot of people, you know, have a lot of anxiety after they quit playing sports because we're playing at such a high level and there's so many eyes on us and all this stuff. And, you know, that completely stops after, you know, you graduate. Yeah, dude. Spot so, on. Um, spot on. Go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, right now, what I'm doing is, you know, I invented a product, and I know we're probably gonna talk about it in a little bit, but I'm just pursuing that and trying to get it out in the world and trying to pursue my entrepreneurial endeavors and see where it kind of can take me because that's always a that's always a dream I've had is to run my own business and. Uh, build a company so yeah yeah well let's let's we'll definitely touch on the uh the entrepreneurial side and what you're doing but man like you you really hit it spot on about um once you're done playing volleyball or or just sports in general when literally that's like all that we knew growing up and what a lot of people who you know they might not understand as a student athlete and you're going to division one, that level of play is so high. It's such a high level that things like academics, they really fall. They're not as important when you're at that level of sports. Like you got to really make sure you're at the top level of your athletics to stay at the division one level. I mean, it's so competitive and um, you know, how, what was your, do you think you focused that much on keeping your grades up um, when you were going through high school and college? And is that something that you regret not paying more attention to now? Or, you know, would you have, would you have done things differently? Um, Well, high school, you know, I I did pretty well in, you know, academics and, and sports and then getting to college. I think the first semester was like a little bit of an adjustment period. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really do bad any semester, but I definitely like GPA wise did better in high school. Um, you know, there are a few classes I probably could have made up. Um, but honestly, I just looked at it like I can, I can still graduate with that grade. And, you know, I didn't really focus on, you know, I guess maybe I could have focused on academics a little more, but yeah, you definitely need to be at on the top of your game when you're playing a D one sport. And it sucks to say that I wouldn't say to put academics second, but, you know, you do spend a lot of time focusing on your sport because, you know, you're there on a scholarship to play the sport, not a scholarship to attend school, right. which is terrible to say. But, um, yeah, I mean, I give a lot of props to those student athletes who maintain like 4.0 or 3.5 and higher GPAs while they're playing sports because that's insane, especially those football players like Andrew Luck and stuff. And they go to Stanford, which are like some of the top institutions in the country. And they maintain those high GPAs while playing, like, football. I mean, volleyball, you know, it's not the biggest, you know, NCAA sport, um, you know, compared to, like, football. But, um, yeah, yeah, I do give people props who can maintain those high GPAs while doing it. Yeah, and, you know, a couple things on that is for people who are listening who don't know, um, men's volleyball currently gives out four scholarships or maybe it's 4.5 scholarships a year in d1 and that's compared to you know that that's really low i think in in women's volleyball they give up to like 16 i'm just ballparking but i know it's in the teens or football they give a lot more there's so many other sports they give more scholarships which basically gives more opportunity for people who are trying to play at that level and uh, with men's volleyball at the D1 level, only being able to offer four, 4.5 scholarships is tough. And that means that if you're given a full scholarship, which is 1.0 scholarships, that means you are the best of the best. And, you know, 
if you're given a half skull, like for me, I was given 50%. Um, but a lot of other people weren't, you know, given that opportunity. And it just, it's so tough, especially in volleyball to, to get that scholarship. And that's something that they're talking. Um, John Spira, he's the coach obviously over at the USA team. And I think at UCLA still, but he's really fighting hard to grow the sport of men's volleyball um, much like women's, how 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 big it's grown, and um, he's really fighting to be able to give more scholarships away uh, in men's volleyball. And uh, another thing that has been a very hot topic is the conversation about should college athletes be paid or not and I, I don't know mm. if you had a take on that like would you were there times where you're like man I, you know I feel like I should be getting paid for what I'm doing because you're right it is like a full-time job when you're at that level I, I mean volleyball was the focus of every day in college you know what I mean yeah yeah um I mean I would have loved to get paid you know because it was like a full-time job um but, you know, I understand it more so with, like, you know, basketball programs and football programs. I mean, if you're going to do it for one program, you have to, might as well do it for all of them. But those college football and basketball games bring so much viewership and stuff. And those games are televised, like, every game when those, they have those big programs. So it's pretty much like pro sports. They're making money based because a lot of people are tuning in to watch these players play. So um, I definitely think that student athletes, you know, should be paid – now, whether that's going to happen or not, I have no idea. Yeah. But, um, no, yeah, I mean, I think volleyball is already expanding. I mean, there's some newer D1 teams that I haven't even heard of that um, that are in the East Coast divisions and stuff that are popping up all over the place. And, you know, it's strange to me. Volleyball is like the number four sport in the world. It's ahead of baseball. It's ahead of, like, a bunch of other sports. Um, so I don't know why it doesn't have a bigger presence in the United States. I know they're trying to build like that, um, that pro volleyball league. Mm -hmm. And they did, I think a turn, the opening tournament over at the MGM grand in Las Vegas, which was pretty cool. Um, but I mean, we'll see how long it takes or if it even takes off in the United States. I just think, you know, volleyball is such an awesome sport and if people really kind of learn more about it and just went to some games um, you know, if there's a college program in your area, you know, division one, you know, they're really fun and, you know, really, really fast paced. And, you know, it's, it's not what everybody thinks, you know, they think of volleyball as a girl sport, but when you go and watch men's volleyball, I mean, you have these guys who are six, you know, six, five to like seven feet tall, who are just hitting the crap out of the ball. They serve the ball like 70 miles an hour. Um, you know, I would love to see it grow and, you know, become, you know, a televised sport out here because it's all over Europe and other countries. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think we all could assume why women's volleyball is more popular, um, especially on the beach, you know, people it's, it's <laughs> the sex appeal, you know, sex sells even in sports. And that's a prime example. It's the same rules, the same sport, you know, they hit the ball less hard. I mean, some of those games, can actually be pretty boring to watch if you're looking at it at like a volleyball level but of course if you're looking at it like oh these girls are in bathing suits this is the best sport ever and they're sweating and they're diving in the sand yeah that's there's an appeal but from a player's perspective it definitely sucked because the sport that we played definitely was not looked at at like you know very highly regarded. I remember when we would go to junior Olympics and our whole team would be in the elevator and then, you know, we'd be going to our game or we'd be just coming back and someone would walk in the elevator um, who wasn't on the volleyball team, you know, someone just staying at the hotel and they'd be like, Oh, I like, I, I remember this distinctly when we were in Atlanta for junior Olympics, this lady walked in and she was like, Oh, Y'all are really tall. You guys play basketball? <laughs> y'all y'all play basketball? And we were like, no. Nah. Like, we play volleyball. And she's like, volleyball? Oh, man, I would have never guessed. <laughs> I, was, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, I, I guess no one really knows what 
men's volleyball is. And, uh, but yeah, but you know what you were saying about going from being a student athlete in college to not being a student athlete, you are forced to figure shit out on your own and you kind of have to build up a new identity, like you said. And, um, it's super tough when all you know is sports. Like for me, my very first word was ball. And so from the get go, I guess I really liked balls. <laughs> I, I, I love sports. Dude. Yeah. Are you I, sure I, you refer you're referring <laughs> to sports balls? <laughs> yeah. No, dude. Like I, I played baseball and I, that was my sport. Like I, I thought I was going to go pro at a very young age. I could see myself pitching in the major leagues and then I, you know, got injured my elbow and then I eventually burnt out of the sport and was looking to play a new sport. And that's when I found volleyball and I love playing every sport. You know, I kick myself in the foot for never trying out for to be quarterback, um, play football. I kick myself in the foot for a lot of things I didn't do, but I think that gives me motivation, um, to always try new things because you never really know what can come out of it. And I guess we'll move away from the sports side of things because that is not so much a big part of our lives anymore, but it'll always be there. Um, and, and I think you're right. It did give us a lot of um, kind of, you know, that backbone to where we know what hard work is. We know what hard work looks like. We're very team oriented people, um, and I think that's something that, you know, something like volleyball or soccer or basketball or anything like that, those, those kind of team oriented skills will, will be with us forever. Um, but another thing about you, my man, you're a very talented producer. How did you learn how to, where did your music background come from? Oh, um, so I got that from my dad, um, you know, my dad, uh, he was a pro drummer, you know, went, started off when he was a teenager, did a lot of studio work, did stuff with like Hart and Steve Miller band. Um, so, you know, he bought me a drum set at a young age and I used to bang on the drums all the time and he'd try to give me lessons. And I was like, no, I want to just bang on it myself and just kind of learn. And then I kind of just, I, I don't know, I, I got burnt out from the drums. Um, and then I think when I really got into producing, um, I went to EDC in LA in 2010 and I was just completely blown away by how sick the festival was. And I just thought these DJs were so dope on stage and how cool would it be to be on there and, you know, kind of playing your music to the crowd. So ever since then, I basically, I got Logic Pro and I started making music. Um, it was really shitty music. And I found some of my old beats from back in the day <laughs> and they're just complete, dude, they're so bad. You would die. Um, so I did that and basically I just loved it so much. I would spend, you know, days just learning and watching tutorials and trial and error and, you know, trying to get better musically. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, there'd be days where I'd spend, I wouldn't even leave my house on weekends. I'd literally sit in my room from morning until night, maybe like 12, 14 hours. I wouldn't leave. Sometimes I'd forget to eat just until you know just so i can you know get better at the craft and you know learn and make my music sound better and just you know over time i think i've now been doing music for 10 years and it's finally at that level to where i could say it's like comparable to stuff that's being professionally released but you know nothing really took off for me musically so i'm just kind of doing it for fun um just because i enjoy it it was stressing me out in college um because you know aside from playing volleyball and going to school i'd go and dj you come, you've come. you came to a couple shows in Hollywood at Supper Club, which is no longer there, um, and a couple other clubs. But, yeah, man, I mean, I always love it. Um, I feel like the music scene is really saturated now because everybody's making stuff, so it's a lot harder to differentiate yourself from everyone else who's making uh, music. But, um, you know, it'll, it'll always be something that kind of stays with me, and I just do it just because I enjoy it. Yeah, man, I think one of the... Something I'll always remember when I look back at my college years is learning about, 
you know, the music scene in L.A. is so much different than it is in San Diego and probably so much different than it is in Santa Barbara. You know, wherever you are, it's different. So I remember going to Northridge, which is in Los Angeles, for those of you who don't know. And I remember just hearing like Skrillex and all this dubstep and everything. <clears throat> even even more before dubstep was just electro music and you know with the with the news of Avicii passing it was kind of like that style of electro and then a little bit of dubstep and I you know I credit learning all about that type of music to hanging out with you and I remember you know we'd go to parties and since you lived in Northridge, you had your car with you all the time, and we'd always just be blasting music in your car. And, you know, every once in a while, you'd play a song. And I'm always like, dude, what the fuck? You know, what song was that? Like, I, I love that. And I remember this one track. You know, this is probably the track that I'll put at the end of this podcast. So remember to listen to this podcast on Anchor, the Anchor app. I'll put it at the end, but you probably know exactly what song I'm thinking of. Um, it's When I Look at You by Imal K. You played that song in your car, and you know that was something that I'll always remember as a freshman, you driving us around Northridge and just blasting that, that song. So good. Oh, my God. Or when we'd blast Skrillex in the driveway yeah. of Carl's Jr. Yeah. <laughs> With oh. someone hanging off the trunk. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> dude, so fun! Good but yeah, times. man, like y- your your love for music really had an impact on me because I also played the drums, and I was nowhere as near as skilled. But I definitely devote didn't devote as much time as I could have to music because obviously, sports took enough time, and you know, all the other shit that came with with growing up, but. I, I uh, learned how to DJ from you, and um, now I I still DJ from time to time, and I think that's something that was really cool. I mean, you had a couple projects. You had audio visual, which was you and uh, you and Pat, and then you had just your solo project, which was that guy. And oh my gosh, do you remember all those, man? Those are you. I remember, you know, freshman year in the dorms. You, you and I didn't dorm together. We were kind of across the, the dorm area. Um, but I remember I'd come to your dorm, and you would just be working on a song, and you would be playing the same part over for like hours on end. And I was like, man, like he he's pretty dedicated to this shit. So I always knew that you know, you're pretty serious about music. Yeah. So, oh my God. That guy was so long ago. That stuff's terrible. Yeah. But, um, you want to, you want to hear something crazy. So, you know, in college when Pat and I were doing audio visual, we got hit up by Bygor, which is Borgord's record label. And some manager hit us up. And he's like, Hey, we love you guys' music. Um, you know, we'd like to hear more original stuff. You know, talk to you guys who we were like, we we're all freaking out and sent over some more stuff. Nothing really, you know, went through because we only had a few um, originals at that time. But um, come to find out that that same guy who hit us up is now Marshmallow's manager. No way. Mo? Is that uh, Mo Shalisi? Corey. Yeah. Huh? Can you hear me, buddy? Yeah, I think this. Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. Yeah, I remember you and Pat. You actually guys started to get booked at some pretty cool clubs, and you know, we'd bring all the friends out. And you know, I, I I thought you'd I thought you'd be at EDC one day. What happened? I don't know. That was my dream, and then you know, I started going from making music not because I enjoy it get big and to get shows and just started stressing me out um i don't know i, I mean i sh- i wish we kept going at that point because we'd probably i'd probably be going a different path in my my life or my career right now but um i don't just kind of got burnt out of it trying for so long nothing really happened um not to say i quit because i still make music all the time but 
you know, just thinking about it, you know, what I want to do with my future and stuff. I know I want to have a family and all that stuff and just being a DJ and traveling every day around the world. I mean, it sounds cool, but there's a lot of negatives that come with it just because you're away from all your family and friends all the time. It's a very demanding, um, you know, schedule. It's not very healthy, not getting sleep and stuff. So I don't know. I like have that. Hey, Brandon, you know, you're kind of uh, you're kind of cutting out you know, here and there. You're yeah, kind of, are you walking around or are you in a bad spot? Yeah. This is uh, this is no. Have you man, moved I'm... it all? Damn it! This is so. This is the beauty of podcasting remotely. Is uh, you know, we might have some some interference with the signal. How's that now? Can you uh, try it again? Is it better? Yeah, I think so. So okay, let's. Cool. Um, um, Where did I cut out? And let's. I want to dive in right now to your entrepreneurial side because I think you know as we we kind of discussed our past and our our sports and our music, but right now me and you are kind of more on the entrepreneurial side of life, and um, it's been it's been cool to watch you kind of watch what you do, what you post on Facebook. Um, talk about rappers and how that idea came to be and um you know kind of your more recent experience doing stuff like the trade show i want to hear about that um rappers basically are these little sticker attachments that you basically would place over a gift card or cash inside of a greeting card So basically what this does is when you give somebody that greeting card as a gift for their birthday or the holidays, they get the pleasure and the fun experience of untearing a wrapped present. (laughs) So basically that's what the the product is. And the way it came up with it is, um, you know, I read a book. It's called One Simple Idea by Stephen Key. He's this guy who basically invents products and he licenses them out to companies so instead of building businesses he gets to do the fun creative part of thinking up a cool idea designing it pitching it uh filing provisional patent on it and then pitching it to a company if they like it he gets paid anywhere between three and seven percent royalties without lifting a finger and i was like well damn like i'm creative i can think of stuff and do the same thing what better way to make money than just you know creating something and pitching it to companies. And then if they like it, getting paid to just kind of sit on your butt. Um, So I did that, wrote down a bunch of different products. Um, You know, I would think every day, just write notes on my phone. And one of the things that really stuck with me, what he said was, think of something that's an evergreen product. And for those of you that don't know what evergreen product is, it's, um, you know, product that can be sold every day of the year. It's not Mm -hmm. seasonal. Um, So basically I was like, Hmm, what's something that people can buy that's every day. And I was like, okay, birthdays happen every day. Um, I'm like, what's something that I can maybe tweak a little bit. Cause one of his other things he said was, you know, don't think outside of the box, think next to the box. Because if you think outside of the box and create a product that's outside the box, there might not be a need for it. And there might not be a market for it. But if you think, Next to the box, you basically take something that's already selling and you improve upon it a bit. You already know there's a market for it. And, you know, your product has like more chance to succeed if you think next to the box. So that's what I did. And I thought to myself, I'm like, hmm, um, what's something that I can improve upon? So I was like, okay, gift cards. What's a way that I can improve the presentation of gift cards? I'm like, what do gift cards go inside of? Oh, they go inside of greeting cards. And I hated how every time you got a gift card inside of a greeting card or cash, you open up the greeting card, it just kind of falls out on your lap. So I was like, why don't they make some type of wrapping to where you could stick it to the inside of the greeting card? It basically seals that inside so it prevents it from falling out. And also you get the fun part of, you know, tearing apart wrapping paper when you open it. So I went to my prototype and... Yeah, I found a manufacturer and just kind of made them, and that's kind of how it started. Yeah, well, uh, so you got so you got the idea, you got the materials, and you, you know, you made a couple videos, and you're like, okay, this, 
you know, people people were showing interest, I'm assuming. Um, how did you know to kind of take your idea to, and how did you know that it was time to take it to the next level? And what are some of the things you've been doing recently with the with the product? So I did um I did a trade show back in March. Um, did some research, found out that, you know, if you want to get your products out there, you have to attend these trade shows. So I designed a booth, got more product made, worked with the designer. And basically, um, you know, I was in this thing called the startup tank or the startup arena at the ASD trade show in Las Vegas. And what they do is they take like these new smaller companies and they give them small booth space for like an affordable price. So I went there and I have no experience doing this. I just, you know, brought like my cousin and my mom and my mom's friend. They basically just helped me. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, I did that, talked to a bunch of people, presented my product to see if it's something viable and see if it's something that people would want. And, you know, we got really great feedback, talked to a few big retailers. Um, and right now, basically I'm following up with all those people. I'm trying to close a sale, uh, and you know we're currently moving our manufacturing over to China just because we can get better pricing and and all that. And we're coming up with these different programs on how to present our product because I learned that a lot of these product play cases and mm-hmm. basically they help these retail the product without them having to explain to the customer and whatnot. So it's it's a huge learning experience and i'm just you know i'm really new to this and i don't really know what i'm doing but the best way for me to learn and i think the best way for a lot of people to learn how to do things is just kind of throw themselves into it and, yeah and learn that way yeah for sure i i think that's a huge takeaway from from life is we we want everything to be perfect and we want to be successful and you are learning that, and I'm learning too, is you kind of have to fail in order to find success because you won't know what success is until you know what the the latter is. And that's failing or that's an idea that didn't work or that's trying to produce music and, and that didn't work or that's trying to be a professional athlete. And that so we go through life and the only way to get better is you know, by learning from your past, whether it was a mistake or not. And you just kind of always optimizing and it's, that's really fucking cool that you're, you're going forward with that. Um, because you know, it's, you could have heard from one of your family members that it was a stupid idea, or you could have woken up in the middle of the night and been like, what am I doing? I'm wasting all my time. I'm wasting all my energy into this product that I don't know if it's going to work or not, but you stuck with it and you're still moving, you're still moving along. So I think that's, it's really cool to see that. And, you know, you'll be able to look back in a couple of years, five years, 10 years, and you'd be like, wow, you know, I, I really learned a lot and I'm glad I just went for it instead of, you know, what a lot of people do and think is, well, I'm not ready yet. It's not, it's not, it's not what I like. It's not perfect. And I think with business that we're never, ever going to be a hundred percent ready to do something, but you just kind of got to go for it and, you know, fix yeah, those I totally mistakes. Agree with, totally agree with that. And I mean, I still think like, I don't know if this is going to work. I mean, I believe in my product. I love it. Right. But the market really tell you, tells you, you know, if it's something people would buy. So, you know, I already put a good amount of my savings in because I believed into it. So I'm thinking like, like, am I just, you know, gonna, is this all this money going to be spent for nothing? Am I going to do this? And it's not going to take off. But you know, then again, if I never try, I'll never know. And you know, the worst thing that can happen is, you know, I lose that money. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately for me, I know myself, like, that's not going to make or break me because I'm going to move on to the next thing until something works out. Um, But, yeah, no, I mean, I definitely – it's definitely a learning experience and, you know, something I've always wanted to do. So it's just – it's exciting too. Yeah, yeah. And I – 
and that's something that I've always gotten from our friendship is we're all you're always bouncing ideas off of me. You're super creative and you're you're super passionate and I think that that you know that part of you comes from, you know, being an athlete and always being motivated and you're always striving to be the best and when that type of attitude can translate into the business world i think it's really powerful and um whether or not rappers is a success i think you'll find little bits and pieces that you're learning throughout this process like marketing and social media or um you know finding the products and the materials to build your to build your thing and i you know you'll be able to take those things that you're learning now and apply them to you know your future business endeavors or whatever it may be you take a little bit from the past and you apply it to the future um you kind of optimize so you have anything in the works for the future or you have any more ideas that you're thinking about um well you know I want to touch back on the thing, uh, something you said about people, you know, waiting until something's perfect to do something. Um, you know, nothing's ever really perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always the guy that, you know, like you said, I'd always come up to you and say, I have this idea and we bounce ideas off of each other. But I felt like I was just doing that too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of wanted to take action because I think action, taking action on something is a really important thing because you can have all the ideas in the world, but you don't know if something's going to work unless you try it. So, um, I mean, look, my, my first round of packaging, I printed out 5,000 packets of my product and I was dead set on it. I went to the trade show and got a lot of feedback. People said that, you know, people can't really tell what this does within a second or two. We love the product, but the packaging needs to change a little bit. And I was very receptive, receptive to that. Um, and so now I'm stuck with like, Five, like 4,000 something units of these old packaging that I can't really do anything with. So, you know, it, it was good that I got out there. I didn't wait till my product was perfect. I made it and went, I got feedback from the people and just, you know, you take it one day at a time, one step at a time and, you know, perfection. That's, that's a trap. Um, but yeah, as far as future plans, I mean, I'm just really trying to focus on building this thing right now. Mm-hmm. I would love to be in a spot one day to where I can invest in other businesses and that and whatnot. But um, I don't know. There's I've always had this thing in the back of my mind. If I'm lucky and able and like in a financial position to start another business one day after this, I would love to start some type of chain that could be franchised. I love the whole concept of branding and coming up with a really unique place for people to go either eat or whatever the franchise business would be but when i look at these places like doghouse and like mcdonald's and carl's jr it's just it's so cool to me how they all have their own brand feeling when you walk inside these places and they offer these all this food and i love food so (laughs) I don't know, maybe partnering with somebody down the road who has experience on the operational side, I could just kind of take over like the whole creative and branding and, you know, sort of marketing aspect and try to build like a franchise in that way. But I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. That's cool. I mean, that, 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 that is a really cool idea. And that's something that I've always been interested in too, is I think where you'd be good at is more of you know, let's just, let's just pretend since my clients are in restaurants and food as well. I mean, some sort of experiential, um, way of eating out. So you go to a restaurant and just something that's out of the ordinary, that's different. Um, you know, some cool way of going, you know, just everything now there's, there's so much, right. There's so many different options and What's going to stand out It is something that is memorable and something that's different and that it's an experience, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's where the opportunity lies. Yeah, man. So that's, yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, man. Well, damn, it's already been an hour. It's a long podcast. I know we can, Woo-hoo. we can talk for, 
more, many more hours about our experiences yeah. in college. <laughs> I know. We could talk about <laughs> girlfriends, but uh, I mean, let just you know, not to bring up anything bad, but I think life is crazy because you had a girlfriend that you were dating for a really long time, and we all kind of thought that you get if there is any one of our circle of friends to be the first one to get married. Uh, I think everyone probably would have said you. Um, and it's just, and it's Drew, just Drew beat all of us. Yeah, and it, it, but it's just so crazy how life happens because that's definitely not the case. And um, yeah. I'm happy for you that you're happy. And um, things, you know, sometimes they just don't work out. Um, but to see, you know, our friend Drew, um, who is going through one hell of a life i'm i can only imagine right now it's uh it's crazy have you have you talked to drew at all yeah i have um i talked to him a few weeks back you know how's he doing um uh, can you give uh whoever's listening is there any sort of background like his so basically drew staker was on our volleyball team a really good friend of ours, but he he never had a girlfriend in college, right? He no, and then he graduated. Um, he he moved back to Las Vegas, his hometown, right? And yep. then he met Lauren, who is now his wife. Um, and I and I think they got married within like what two years at the most. Yeah, I knew that once Drew like got a girlfriend he was gonna end up marrying her and then when i met lauren she's freaking awesome i was like oh drew's in trouble he, he's gone yeah and, but it was so crazy because he was you know one of the few who he never had a girlfriend he never really showed interest you know in dating and to kind of look at where he is post college i like i don't feel bad for him because that's life but it must be such a crazy 360 or 180, I guess. Um, what do you know? What so so he has a kid now. He's married and has yeah. a kid. Within about to have another. What um, what is there a, a dysmorphia with his kid? Do you know what that's called that he has? I, I have no idea. I've talked to him. He doesn't know, but I know that they. They moved um, to Utah to kind of see some specialty doctors, but wow, they moved yeah. to Utah. Yeah, holy shit! So yeah, it's just crazy because Drew, his life was pretty much sports. He, you know, no one loved sports as much as he did, and you know, flash forward three, four years, and the dude's married and has a kid with some sort of a. Is it? Do you even know if it's like autism or, you know, what? No, no, I don't think it's anything like that. No. I think it's just they—they they don't even know. That's why they had to move. That's fucking crazy. So yeah, I mean, the roller coaster of life, man. That's yeah. But God bless him and his baby and yeah, Lauren. Dude. I love all of them. They're, you know, they're great people, and you know, they're having another little girl, mm-hmm. you know, coming soon, which is which is awesome and exciting. So. But yeah, now he lives farther, so now I can't make the little short drive up to Vegas to visit them. I have to drive hours and hours longer, take a plane to go see them, which I gotta do. Soon. Yeah, uh, I've been meaning to uh, talk to him and get the updates. But yeah, Brandon, well, thanks for uh, doing this podcast thing, man. I hope. Yeah, of uh, course, man. Wonder how it's gonna sound. I know. <laughs> I had a good time. It, you cut out a lot on my side. Really. So. Hopefully, some of the answers that I was giving you made sense of the questions you were asking. <laughs> it's all right for uh, the few people who listen, or maybe the few million people. Um, if anyone wants to talk to you, or if they want to hear some music, or if they want to learn more about rappers, how can they get in touch with you? Definitely, they can either. So, for music, I produce under two aliases. One is called Vision capital v-i-z-n and then the other one is just under my personal name which is brandon lebrock and lebrock is spelled l-e-b-r-o-c-k 
And if you guys want to learn more about rappers, you can just go to the website, which is www.rappersbrand.com. And rappers is spelled with a Z and not an S. That's very important. Very important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. I love you. And got to right. get you down to San Diego soon, man. Yes. Well, you got to come up here first oh, in June. Okay. For the little shindig that's going to happen. Okay. Let's do it. Little, yeah. little pool party. Yep. All right, brother. I'm down. Peace out, man. All right, man. Good talking to you. We'll talk soon. Peace. All right, later. Boom. Well, that was fun. That was a little test run of trying a different method out of interviewing. And as you could tell, there were a lot of parts in there that weren't maybe so optimal to listen to as far as quality goes. So I'll try and fix some of those bugs. Uh, I think a lot had to do with not having good reception where Brandon was. So going forward, I will try my best to make the audio a little more pleasurable. But I'm super appreciative of Brandon for giving me the time to chat with him and talk about, you know, I think I think a big topic between at least a lot of my friends who have gone from playing sports either professionally or just in college, you know, that transition from college to out of sports where you're playing every single day, your life revolves around sports and you transition out of that real fast because once you're done, you're done. And then you got to kind of figure shit out where you got to find a real job. Mom wants you to go get a nine to five. You know, your parents have these expectations. They're probably tired of you know, footing you all these bills because, you know, I was fortunate enough to have my parents help me with a lot of things because I didn't work. My work was playing sports, much like any other student athlete that is playing at the top tier level. You know, it's kind of like your job. And in college, like we talked about, it was like a full-time job. And so um, I think that's a big topic of conversation amongst many kids. And it's um, it's not easy to bounce back and switch up your whole lifestyle into, you know, going into a career path, so to speak. And uh, I really, really appreciate that that side of it from Brandon. And I hope you guys enjoyed I want to remind you all to listen on the Anchor app. When you listen on the Anchor app, you can hear um, the song that I will be playing at the end. Like I mentioned, me and Brandon are very passionate about music. He introduced me to a lot of the music that I fell in love with and still like. I like to DJ it. Um, So I'll be playing the song called When I Look At You by Imalke. And you can only hear that if you're listening on Anchor want to remind you that you can find me on Twitter at I am Corey Wagner. You can add me on LinkedIn anywhere you want. Just hit me up and I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.